0: open them to Numbers chapter 1, or Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, and uh, it blessed me last week when I pulled out my box of notes and just started reading it, somebody alluded to it a couple times during the week, and I said, hmm, I think I'm going to preach that message again, maybe some of you remember it. Maybe at that time it didn't mean nothing. But today, as I was reading the notes, over the last several days, I thought, wow, I said that. <laughs> that took place. And how many of you guys know that prophecy has already been revealed? There is no new prophecies as far as the Bible are concerned. There is just a revealing of prophecy. Prophecy. All the prophecy that God has spoken according to the Bible, biblical prophecy, and I'm not talking about a word of knowledge or a word of encouragement or the gift of prophecy. Everything that God has spoken, some of it has not been revealed and some of it is being revealed. And I could just imagine the prophets of old saying, we wrote that hundreds of years ago and it's just unfolding How many of you guys know the same devil that attacked the first century church? The the same devil, the same serpent that attacked Adam and Eve. He has not changed his methods and he has not changed his ways. The same devil that was in the Garden of Eve is in the garden of the highest places in America today. The devil has crept in. The Bible says he has He was the most subtle of all the beasts the Lord God had made. He's the beast in Genesis, and he will be the beast in Revelation. He has not changed his ways, he has not changed his methods. He has just changed generations. And this morning, I was gonna preach on dim masking Satan, but that one will wait. So if you go to Nehemiah chapter 1, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but how many of you guys know that Nehemiah got a bad report? And he said, things are not good at home. The wall is broken down. The temple has been destroyed. The walls are burned with fire. And the Bible says that he sat down and he wept for many days. And then in verse 7 of Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out of the farthest parts of the heavens yet I will gather them from there. And I will bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. That is Jerusalem. One day we're all going to live there. Now These are your servants, verse 10, your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand, O Lord, I please, O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Somebody say that real quick with me. Desire to fear your name. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. And let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. And then in chapter 2, he says, therefore... Actually, verse 1, they have it up on the screen. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? Anybody sick this morning? Anybody got any symptoms? And I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? And so I prayed to the God of heaven four times I think he said, so I pray to the God of heaven, so I pray to the God of heaven, but what struck me the most is is I was the king's cupbearer and I went before the king and I took the wine and gave it to him and when I came before the king he saw a look on my face he saw a complexion on my face that he had never seen before and the king turned and looked at him and he says, why are you saddened? Why do you?" look sorrowful. Now let me turn the script a little bit. He said, are you sick? Have you had any symptoms? I went to the dentist the other day to get some work that I've been neglecting and they stopped me at the door and they said, have you had a fever? Have you been out of the country? Have you been out of the state of New Mexico? Have you been coughing? Have you had a fever? How many of you guys have been asked that lately? Everybody, raise your hand. Be honest. We're in church. How many of you guys have got the COVID test? Let me answer your hands. Once, twice. How many of you guys have had it twice? Three times. Four times. Five times. Six times. Seven times. Get the guy a prize. He won. (laughs) Carlos, seven times. And what did they say? If you have been exposed to the virus or know someone that has been exposed to the virus, if you've been sick or you know someone is sick, do not report to work. And everybody said, hallelujah, I get a day off of work. I don't got to call in. They called me and said, don't show up and do not come back until you get tested. For Nehemiah, he couldn't wait on a test. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. He had to be healthy. He had to be whole. He couldn't be in fever. He couldn't live in fear because any sign of fear would be the loss of his head. His job would be over. I'm speaking today, I was the king's cupbearer. And you may not believe it or not, but every one of you guys are the cupbearer to the king. God wants to use you to stand before a great man, to do his mighty works. But I believe that a lot of us have been showing up to work in fear. Some of us have been showing up to church in fear. Oh my God, are you going to, some people have knocked on your door. You haven't opened your door because you're in fear that they might be sick. Hello, somebody. I'm going to go old school on you this morning. When I grew up in the church, they used to say, hello, operator. Click. You guys remember that one? You're old if you do. The kids didn't even know we had an operator. (laughs) The kids never, they said, what's an operator? Well, remember when they would hang up, you would lose your call. Sorry, sir, your call hasn't been terminated, right? Or you pick up the phone and operator, can you connect me to 411? Y'all remember that? Or you just dialed it? therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Why did Nehemiah become so fearful for his life at that moment? Why did he become so afraid for his life? Because he was the king's cupbearer and any sign of intimidation, any look of fear on his face would mean you're conspiring against the king. Perhaps maybe today is the that you're going to kill the king perhaps today is the day that you're going to poison the king maybe you have not poisoned the king but somebody else has put poison in the wine cup of the king and you're trying to take me out so I'm not even going to take your cup I'm not even going to drink from your cup your job is done. Your job is over. And I believe that there's a lot of people in the Church of America today that they've been approaching the king with a lot of fear in their eyes. They've been approaching ministry with a lot of fear. Maybe you haven't even showed up to work. Maybe you haven't even showed up for ministry because you're burdened with fear that you might catch something or you might get something. Anybody feeling sick? Ain't nobody going to answer because we got a sword at the end of this service. The king had to rely on Nehemiah to be healthy. Nehemiah was not only the king's cupbearer, he was the king's advisor. He was the king's closest confidant. The king went to Nehemiah for difficult answers. Nehemiah, do you have any answers for this dream? Do you have any answers for this counsel? The Bible says that Artaxerxes was the king's. And Nehemiah was about, was a, was a Hebrew captive. Why wasn't there any young Babylonians that could serve the king as their cupbearer? Because maybe they didn't have experience. They didn't come from royal seed. Maybe because they would conspire against the king and take the king out. So the king had to be sure that who was serving the cup to him could be trusted. Nehemiah was charged to conceal his emotions for for the king's sake. To violate this was punishable by death. Having or showing a bad attitude before the presence of the king doesn't get you reprimanded, doesn't get you sent home for a COVID test, or doesn't send you home for a quarantine period. It gets you executed. God was at work. In appointing Nehemiah to the king's throne it was the closest position to the king Nehemiah had to be trusted to go before the king because the king had to know that Nehemiah had kept himself pure had kept himself clean had kept himself healthy had kept himself taken care of taking your vitamins you didn't miss no appointments Nehemiah with the doctor did you? The book of Proverbs, chapter 25, Proverbs 22, it says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. God is looking for some men and women in this church who will excel at their work. You will excel in ministry. You will excel in your giving. You will excel at your service. And he says, if you are faithful in what I've given you to do, you might just be a cupbearer. You might just be a waiter. You might just be, or you might just be car hopping. You might just be a server at work, but you keep showing up. You keep faithful showing up doing what you got to do and above and God says do you see a man or a woman who excels in his work he will stand before kings you know what God is saying there he says if you excel at your work God is going to promote you to better and better things I know some people don't like to declare that oh come on get get let's get humble just humble yourself don't forget you're from the projects God says, if you see a man who excels in his work, he will stand before kings. He will not stand before mere men. But some of us have been standing before the king, and we've been afraid. That's not excelling at work. That's not excelling at work, showing up with a bunch of excuses, showing up why you can't do it, showing up and saying why you don't feel good today. There is no excuse for the child of God that is serving before the king. So Nehemiah excelled. Because he served the king with all diligence, whether he was having a good day or he was having a bad day. If he had heard the news from home, things weren't looking good, he said, I still got to show up to work. I got to put my emotions in check. I got to put everything else in check and show up to work today because I'm about the king's duty. So Nehemiah didn't have a chance to sit there and pity party and wellow and feel sorry for himself. He had to show up. And he had to put a smile on his face. He had to show up and say, long live the king. How are you doing today? Because if he showed up trembling, if he showed up shaking at his knees, the king would say, I ain't drinking the cup today. I don't know what's in that cup today. I don't know what you crushed with your hands and put it in your put it in my drink today. But I ain't trusting you if you got paranoia paranoia all over your face like when the cop pulled you over. Remember, and you had that vein popping out, and you were sweating. And you know when the cop looked at you and says, "Have you had anything to drink today? Uh, have you um? Do you got anything in your trunk? Can we look in your vehicle?" And you were sweating. You don't have to give them permission. Did you know? Even if they show up at your house, some of you are so afraid. Oh, my God, there's six people. One, two, three. You got to go. I'm sorry. They might come knocking on my door and asking who's in here. If they show up, tell them you're not wanted here. This is my house. That's a bonus. Everyone was expected to reflect the sunlight of the king's glory. A gloomy face could be interrupted as plotting against the king. The job of a cupbearer before the king was a lethal job. The king asked him, why do you look so sad since you are not sick? Why did the king concern himself with Nehemiah's health? Because if Nehemiah got sick, the king would get sick. If Nehemiah was in trouble, the king would be in trouble. The vitality of the king rested on the vitality of the cupbearer. And how many of you guys know that Jesus Christ, he's looking for healthy cupbearers. He's looking for faithful cupbearers. Somebody give him a shout of praise. You're going to show up to work tomorrow with a different attitude. Believe me. You're going to come to church next week with a different attitude next week. The king wanted no part with a sick or infectious cupbearer. Hmm. Some people have not wanted no part of us. Stay, stay away. Oh, where you been? No, don't come and see me. Call me. COVID has been the destroyer of, of churches, of businesses, of families. This stuff has wrecked our nation, our elections. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, what was in October when the new judge was nominated and everybody went to the... The, the White House and the in the Rose Garden, and they called it a super spreader event. Hundreds of people got the virus because none of them were wearing masks inside the Rose Garden. The president keeps having all these mass gatherings, and look at all these people that are sick. It doesn't matter if he was doing good for the country. They still criticize him. There's too many people. As a matter of fact, they're having holiday get-togethers at the White House. He's still our president. The king had to have all confidence and complete trust in his cupbearer. Nehemiah was no ordinary man. He excelled at his work. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of uh, 2 Kings, the Bible says in 2 Kings, we don't, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, who was a king before Artaxerxes, actually came and ransacked J- Jerusalem. And the Bible says he took the best and he took the brightest, he took the captains and all the mighty men of valor, he took 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and all the smiths, none remained except the poorest of the people of the land he took all the valiant men all the smiths and the craftsmen he took the best of the best and he took those that were at the king's service in other words what he did is he went into the palace and he took all the king's cupbearers he took all the king's servants and he took them to Babylon and he put him to his work why? because they were prepared for it they were used to serving before the king They were used to serving before Jesus Christ. They were used to serving. They already had a rhythm. They already had the know-how. Keep yourself healthy. Serve happy. Live happy. Don't put on, you know, put on a smile and just show up. In the book of Daniel, the Bible says that there was none like Daniel or his three friends. When the king examined them, the Bible says that they were ten times more better than all the rest. In other words, so the Bible says, and he put them in the service of the king. The king of Babylon took the best and the brightest in all of Jerusalem to serve in his courts. In there was a young man by the name of Nehemiah. He was so close to the king, he was protected from um, everybody else. He was protected from those who might conspire or plot against the king. The same diligence that was given to the protection and the safety and the health of the king was also given to Nehemiah. The king had to know about his whereabouts, who he was speaking to, and what his activities were. Where have you been lately? Nowhere. Have you been going to super spreader events? No. (laughs) One of the things that, that amazed me about the Secret Service when they announced that President Trump had COVID. You guys remember that? He got sick. He got the virus. And he got healed from it. They said, now he's putting everybody at risk. Look at him going out to the parades, getting in his vehicle and putting the secret service at risk. That's their job. The secret service are at the service of the president. And if he were to take a bullet... They would try to prevent it by taking the bullet from him. So do you think they're going to say, we can't show up to work today because the president has COVID and we might get it? No, you are at his service. You show up to work. If the president says, let's go for a burger, you go for a burger with him. And that just amazes everything to criticize. Look at what he's putting those men at risk. The secret service. Isn't that what you signed up for? The king had to know Nehemiah twice as much as he had to know anyone else. Nehemiah was closely observed for any sign of treason, any sign of disloyalty or murmuring against the king, any visible sign or emotion that the king might misinterpret could lead to the execution of the cupbearer. How many of you guys know, well, we are cupbearers to the king. We are serving the king of kings. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we ourselves have received a kingdom of priests. Hmm. To show a demeanor of fear. A fearful Nehemiah, a fearful looking cupbearer, standing before the king. The king might think, are you plotting against me? Are you conspiring against me? Is there someone that has put something in your head to conspire against me? Not only did the king have to keep the cupbearer under close guard, he had to be personally vigilant for any type of threat. Often threats arose from those closest to the king, relatives, a jealous neighbor, relatives who might usurp his authority, So the king appointed foreign young men and he examined them thoroughly and put them to his service. Nehemiah found a place of service before the king. And the Bible says that Nehemiah was so faithful at his job when the king heard him. And he knew, Nehemiah's telling the truth. He's not sick. This is sorrow of heart for his people. The Bible says, so the Lord God granted him favor and sent him back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and to rebuild the temple. And the Bible says that when he went back, he found the walls were ruined. He found the temple was ruined. He found people locked inside their house that were afraid for their lives. They had shut the door and they had locked themselves out. And they said, there's no protection in the city. There's no temple to go worship. There's no church in Espanola. So they locked the door and they shut themselves out and they said we can't go out. It's too dangerous out there. There's too much going on out there. So we locked ourselves up in our houses and the king says and Nehemiah told him every one of you guys arm yourselves with weapons and arm yourselves with tools and begin to rebuild the house. The wall of Jerusalem right outside your house. So the Bible says that he went and he got everybody to work and everybody father son and daughter began to work on their home Begin to work on their house and the bible says that he had to encourage them because every day there was plotting every day there was fear every day there was people saying they're coming to get you they're coming to kill you and nehemiah had to constantly encourage him do not be afraid do not be frightened do not he even told him in one portion he said do not even cry Don't be crying, weeping. He says, but strengthen yourself in the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he began to put them to work. And the Bible says that the enemy came knocking, and the enemy kept coming day after day after day after day, mocking their work and making fun of their work, saying, you guys think you're going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? If a fox were to walk on top of it, it's going to crumble down. Look at these feeble, pitiful, poor Jews. What are they going to rebuild? And Nehemiah said, don't you become discouraged at the work. You keep building. You don't keep listening to the enemy. As a matter of fact, you shut off fear. You shut off fear. You close the enemy. You stop listening to those messengers of fear. You stop listening to those messengers and prophets of fear. There is no prophecy that God will ever prophesy over your life. I don't care what preacher or what pastor he is. If he has a mini church or a mega church, if he's on... National TV or not. If he comes prophesying to you and brings fear in your life, that is not of God because God does not rule us and God, God does not use us with an instrument of fear. Fear is not the Lord's instrument. Fear is not the Lord's instrument. Write that down. A lot of people have been using fear as their instrument. I really believe what I'm preaching here this morning. And I'm trying to strip fear from your life. I'm trying to strip fear from the places that God will send you. You see, Nehemiah could not be worthy to build the wall of, of Jerusalem if he had been fearful prior to that. Fear would a guy in him killed. Fear would have ended his favor. Fear would have ended his work. And because he feared not, Nehemiah was able to go to Jerusalem. And what was the tactic of the enemy? Fear and division. Fear and division. Some of us have been feeding fear to our children. Some of us have been letting the devil, what does the governor have to say today? She has nothing good to say. Stop listening to her. Stop listening to her. Stop listening to the voices of fear. So Nehemiah is at work. He's doing the Lord's work. If people come coming back to him say, Nehemiah, we want to talk with you. Nehemiah, we want to. We, we, we have something to tell you, Nehemiah. We want to visit with you. And the Bible says that he kept saying, no, no, no. They said, come meet with us in the valley of Ono. And the Bible says that he would constantly send back. They would send a messenger, and he would send back the same message. No, 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 I'm not going. He says, I'm doing the Lord's work. And he said, I don't think I can come down from doing the Lord's work right now. So then in Nehemiah chapter 6, There was a conspiracy, and he said, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? They sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner, no. Nehemiah had dealt with fear before. Nehemiah had listened to those voices before. He had already heard those messengers, and he realized I got a work to do. God prepared me for this work. I've been serving and serving faithfully. I've been excelling before the king. And now I got favor. And now I got the king's license to do the work. Now is the time of God's work. And now everything that I've been prepared for is what I'm doing. I'm not going to give in to fear now. I'm not going to listen to your voices. In Isaiah 65 verse 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, Do not destroy it for a blessing. Isn't it? Don't destroy the grapes. How many of you guys know that part of our fruit is to produce Christ's likeness? In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is cast out as a branch that is withered, and they gather them and throw them out into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. A lot of us think we've been bearing fruit, but we've been showing up with grapes with a lot of fear. You're holding that glass of service with a lot of fear. And Jesus said, I have called you to bear fruit. But how many of you guys know that God does not just want us to bear fruit. The fruit has to be crushed to be used. Nehemiah understood that as the king's cupbearer, there were some things in his life that had to be crushed. And one of the things we got to crush is fear. The Bible says that Nehemiah served before the king. Crushing grapes, serving the king his grapes. His job was so important and so vital that the king had established Nehemiah, had fully trusted Nehemiah. If the king could not trust Nehemiah, if Nehemiah spoke against the king or plotted against the king, Nehemiah would find himself in prison. Just like those two young, uh, that, that young baker and butler in the book of, uh, Genesis, where Joseph was in prison. The Bible says that he was in prison with a baker and a butler. And the Bible says that the both of them had a dream. He says, The butler had a dream and he came to Joseph and he said, I want you to interpret this dream for me. He says, I had a dream that a vine appeared from heaven and grapes came on it and I was crushing grapes before Pharaoh. And the Bible says that Joseph interpreted the dream for him and he says, the, d- the dream represents three days. He says the fruit represents your service as a cupbearer to the king. He says in three days, you're going to be taken back before Pharaoh and you're going to pour juice back in his cup again the king is going to reinstate you he decided not to kill you but baker sorry i don't know what you did but your head's going to get cut off and the bible says that three days later the bible says that the king called for the butler and he called for the baker he elevated the butler back to his position and he killed the baker you know that joseph is a prototype of jesus in the new testament the two thieves on the side of him are those two guys that were in prison with Joseph. One, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom today. And the Bible says Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And the other one cursed God all the way to hell. He was sitting on the side of redemption. He was standing on the side of redemption, but yet he would not believe. So being a cupbearer to the king was not a time, there was not a time and a place for fear. And I believe that the church in America, has learned to fear the wrong things. We've learned to fear the wrong people. We have feared men, and the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. The Bible says that the fear of man is a snare. You will be entrapped. You will be stopped. You will be hiding behind closed doors. If you do not fear the Lord, you will run and you will hide. You will be inactive. You won't serve before great men. You will not serve at the service of the king. In Jeremiah 32... I'm trying. I'm just trying to figure out where I want to end this thing. I want to land the plane real soon. In Jeremiah 32, it says, then I will give them one heart. God said, after they come back, they're going to go into captivity. He says, I'm going to allow it by my fury and by my anger. He says, they're going to go into captivity, but I'm going to bring them back. And notice what he said. He said, and Jeremiah 32, verse 37, Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath. I will cause them to dwell safely. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. And then verse 39 says, Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and for the good of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from doing doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Some of us have feared a virus and have feared the word of man that we've departed from the service of God. We've feared man so much that we've departed from faith. Some people have feared God, have feared man so much, and they feared The king rather than God. And so they departed to, to, away from the church. But God says, I'm going to bring them back and they're not going to fear man anymore. But I'm going to put a fear in their hearts that they will not depart from me. That's some of us need to pray. Lord, I want the God of, I want the the fear of God in my life. How many of you guys want the fear of God in your life? He says, fear that will bring the blessing of, of, of God to your children. He says, yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. What we need is a fear that will keep us in God and in the church. Not fear that will cause us to drift and lose sight of the one who saved us. It was the fear of the enemy it was the fear of going day to day to work that Nehemiah had to deal with. He overcame that in the presence of the king. So these little guys coming up against him, they had, they, they had nothing on him. He says that, that game and that playbook has already been tried before. Some of us need to pray, Lord, fear me not to leave you. See, there is a godly fear, a fear that says, oh, I can't leave church. I can't leave Jesus I can't leave my service. I love God too much. We've been out in bondage for too long for us not to return to God with a new heart, with one heart and one way. He says, I'm going to put a new fear in them that they will fear me forever. Notice for good, for the good of them and their children after them. How many of us Fear God. If we learn to fear God, we're not just fearing God for ourselves, but we're fearing God for our children and our children's children. I wonder if any of us fear God so much to say, "Oh, I can't, I can I can't go to church and stay away because of fear." No, I had to be so fearful of God that I am not. If I'm not in church, that God's blessings of goodness will not be upon me and the life of my children. And this isn't just about being in church. It's about being in him. About accomplishing his purpose for your life. About accomplishing his plan for your life. I want to fear the Lord. For myself and for my children. How many of us will say, Lord God, return the fear of God back into my life. That I want to fear you for me and for my children. The first century church dealt with fear, dealt with threats, and dealt with intimidation. The same devil that interrupted the first century church is the same devil that's interrupting the 21st century church. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts 13. I'm coming down for a landing in just a couple of minutes. The Bible says that Saul and Barnabas were in a prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit said, separate Saul and Barnabas for the ministry for which I have prepared them for. And the Bible says that afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Verse 7, he attached himself to the governor. There's a lot of demons and a lot of sorcerers attached to governors right now. They're listening. Look at this. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Paul have said. And he was trying to keep the governor from believing. Do you not think that there is a devil of sorcery, a saying of sorcery? speaking into the ears of governors right now? Nehemiah had an important job And the king that Nehemiah served said, this is God's work. I believe you're sent for it. Here it is. Here's the license. Here's all the permits, and here's all the material that they needed. Let me tell you what. The Bible says that God raises up kings and he puts down kings. Sometimes he raises up kings to oppose the work of God, and sometimes he raises up kings to further the kingdom of God. And watch what this guy did. Paul got up. Verse 8, guys. Next one. And then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O fool of fraud and all deceit, and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, then the governors believed and when he saw that he had been done being astonished astonished at the teaching of the lord there are there are demon spirits talking to governors saying close the church limit the church but the bible says that everything that you do let it be for the edification of the church that is not a spirit that belongs in the church So I say to you, son of the devil, whoever you are trying to limit and to pervert the way of God, trying to keep people from the church, trying to keep fear in the house of God, we rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not interfere in the church. You will not interfere from our pulpits. They oppose the church in the first century. The same devil who opposed him in the first century, it's the same devil that opposes him in the 21st century. You young people that are sitting in this church, open your eyes and open your ear because one day you will encounter the resistance that this generation, and you're going to have to decide in your future, are you going to fear God or you're going to fear man? And God says, I'm going to return the fear of me back into them for their children's children. (laughs) Nehemiah showed up to work every day. He had a toothache. He had to put a smile on his face. He had to deal with the bad news But one day he showed up. He couldn't take it no more. There was a sorrow that came over his heart. And he said, you know what? I can't can't hide my emotions no more, God. I want to serve you. So hear the prayers of your servant. And give me favor this day before this man. So I pray to the God of heaven. And the king says, what is your request? What can I do for you? Nehemiah invited the favor of God because he would not fear man. If you stop fearing man, you will invite the favor of God in your life. I'm not looking to please any man. I'm looking to please God. I'm not going to fear people. I'm not going to fear man. And the devil did not stop. The devil did not stop. You got five more minutes. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah. This is in chapter 6. You got to go read it. The son of Deliah, the son of Medabel, who was a secret informer. He was a false prophet, just like the ones in the book of Acts. And he said... Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed at night they will come to kill you. And I said, Should a man such as I flee and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah, the Sanballat, had hired him. There are hired prophets today. And any prophecy that brings fear into your home and fear into your church and fear somebody's pain to bring fear into your home. Nehemiah said... I'm not going to go lock myself in the temple. I am not the kind of man that runs. I am not the kind of man that fears. But I got to read it in Spanish. Can you put it up? Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm going to bless somebody here this morning. And Nehemiah chapter 6, one of the last ones, girls, they have it in Spanish. I got to read it. Because if you don't understand English, maybe... The voice of heaven or the language of heaven will open up your ears. Nehemiah chapter 6. Dame tu Biblia. Nehemias, capítulo 6. Andale. Pero estoy lleno de la ira del Señor. Jeremías. Fui entonces a la casa de Semías, hijo de Dalías, y nieto de Metabel. Que se había encerrado en su casa. <laughs> this guy locked himself up in his house. Y él me dijo, orionámonos a puerta cerrada. Let's reunite. Let's gather behind closed doors. Y en la casa de Dios en el interior del templo notice this guy says let's lock ourselves in the house of God in the very presence of God in the temple this guy is trying to sound religious porque vendrán a matarte si esta noche te quitarán la vida pero yo le respondí but he says but I answered him and he said yo no soy de los que huyen Los hombres como yo no corren a esconderse en el templo para salvar la vida. No me esconderé. He said the enemy has been trying to fear me, to hide. He says and I'm not the kind of man that's going to run to the temple and lock myself in a fear. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Yo no soy del tipo de hombre de que corre. How many of us ran when we were in the world? We didn't run when we were in the world. We didn't hide when we were in the world. Nehemiah said, I, such, such a man, such as I flee, and who is there, such as I, who would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Nehemiah said, I was serving before the king. And my Bible says in the book of Proverbs that he who serves and exiles as his work will serve before kings and not mere men. Nehemiah said, you guys are mere men. You guys are trying to bring fear into my life. You're trying to get me to fear you. God said, I will not serve before mere men. I will serve before kings. Some of us have been praying, Lord, use me. And I'm afraid that many of us are not prepared for what's coming. Some of us have said, well, because the mark of the beast is coming. I'll preach on that someday. Enforcement of worship is coming real soon to a church near you. They're going to tell you who to worship. I'll never do it. Why are you wearing a mask? I'll never take a mark of a beast. If you have not been prepared now, you will not be prepared then. I'm just trying to prepare you. And some of us have been prepared, asking God to prepare us for His work. And we've been praying and we've been praying and we've been praying but I'm here to tell you and this sounds kind of heretic that God does not give you what you prayed for He gives you what you prepare yourself for my last verse in Matthew 24 Jesus prayed oh Father if there is any other way Take this cup from me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If the ushers want to bring the communion up, I'm almost done. Jesus was praying for this cup to pass he was praying if there's any other way let this cup pass for me because how many of you guys know that the king sent his son and he drank the, gu- the cup of God's wrath Jesus Christ was both the king and the cup bearer he's drank the cup He drank the cup. The cup he didn't want to drink. He drank it. He didn't want to drink it. He said, Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. If it is at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. What was Jesus praying for? He was praying to not have to drink the cup but his father responded and it's biblical you're praying to be delivered from the cross you're praying to be delivered from the suffering but I've prepared you for this as a matter of fact my Bible says read it in First Peter chapter 1 and in Revelation chapter 3 the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. He was already prepared for suffering, and he went through it. And because of that, Jesus Christ has received the name that is above all names, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm a cupbearer of the King. How many of you guys want to be the King's cupbearer? Jesus Christ is your cupbearer. He drank the cup of God's wrath He drank the cup of God's punishment that we deserve. He drank it. He did not refuse it. And he says to us, every time you drink of this cup and eat of this bread, you remember me. And so maybe some of us need to say, Lord God, don't give me what I'm praying for. But am I ready to receive and go through what you have prepared me for? You can come forward for a cup of communion. I know I took a little bit too long. I apologize.